Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to Breaking the Huddle, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's a college football tradition. No tailgater watch party is complete without Dr. Pepper. I'm Joel Klatt. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to dive right in. Make sure that you subscribe to Breaking the Huddle on, on the, as a podcast on iTunes. And we also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you're commenting on the show. We're going to throw those up on the screen and try to get to them and answer them as well. And please share the show. Um, We'd really appreciate it, obviously, and Dr. Pepper would appreciate it. We'd all appreciate it. The first edition of the college football playoff rankings was just announced. Here's a look at the top ten. Bama, Clemson, Michigan. I think a lot of people thought that would be at least some semblance of the top three. And then the total curveball, Texas A&M, didn't deserve to be there whatsoever, but they're at number four. Five, Washington, Ohio State, six, Louisville, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Nebraska. So that's the top ten. Some initial thoughts, and we're going to get to our guys, the best insider in the business, Bruce Feldman. You can follow him uh, on Twitter, at Bruce Feldman. Is there any tag on that? CFB, at Bruce Feldman's CFB. (laughs) Otherwise you get real estate. And then Matt Leinart, our resident Heisman Trophy winner as well. Guys, I'm going to dive in real quick. No, No conference gets more of a pass ever than the SEC. And, and to some degree, they've earned it. They're incredibly top-heavy this year, very average in the middle of the conference, and yet the middle of the conference is getting major bumps by the committee for beating bad teams in their conference. Um, Texas A&M got rewarded for playing well at the number one team in the, con- in, mm-hmm. for, in for the country. For two and a half quarters. For two and a half quarters. Yeah. Um, that's great. Apparently, Colorado doesn't get the same bump. They're not sixth in the country for playing pretty good at Michigan. Um, it's just such garbage. That's fine. The committee is a bunch of hacks at this point, but Alabama won Clemson two, Michigan, and then Texas A&M. Texas A&M, for God's sakes, is number fourth in the country. My apologies fool's to Washington. Go, fool's gold, right? No, they're not. Well, I, I don't <laughs> think they're, they're certainly not the fourth best team in the yeah. country. And my apologies to Washington. You've gone out there and done everything that you possibly mm-hmm. can. You've played the schedule before you. You've dominated some bad teams. You played very well on the road last week in a tough environment in Utah. You get no credit for it, though, because you play geographically on the West Coast rather than in the Southeastern Conference. Um, it's a bunch of crap, to be honest with you, Bruce, but that's just the way I feel. So let me ask you guys this, because I will point out that let's not get too worked up about these rankings, because when you look back at the initial rankings last year, Oklahoma was ranked 15th. They made the playoff. The year before that, Ohio State was ranked 16th, 16th and they yeah. won the playoff. Yeah. So t- having said all that, uh, I would ask you guys this. I think if Washington wins out, they're going to be in the – they'll be fine. If I certainly hope so. Yeah. Now, the question <laughs> I would have, though, is because you look at the rest of Washington's schedule, it's not very daunting. They do get Washington State, who if Washington State beats your buffs in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. imagine Washington State would be probably around the, somewhere in the 15 mm-hmm. range. But if they stumble somewhere and still win the Pac-12, so let's say they go 12-1, and one, and Texas A&M wins out. Texas A&M is, you know, assuming Alabama rolls. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M would be 11-1. and one. I think their best win would be Auburn. And, you know, let's say Auburn 
would only lose one more time, and that would be against Alabama because they're going to play head-to-head. So you imagine Auburn would be somewhere around 15. 14, 15-ish, yeah. yeah. So what's going to happen with an 11-1 A&M versus a 12-1 Washington team? I'm curious to see, th- would they leave out a Pac-12 champ? I think that at that point, I personally think that this committee would go with A&M, but that's just the committee's makeup. They get bullied into the Southeast Conference. This is all about money and ratings. Let's not believe it's anything else for the playoff. Uh, and for these Tuesday night shows. The fact of the matter is, is that Texas A&M and Washington each have one win over a team that is currently ranked in the top 25. One. Um, That happened on the road for each team. One of them at Auburn, which is great. One of them at Utah, great, again. Um, Similar styles of games. I think A&M probably pulled away a little bit more. That was before Auburn was even playing any semblance of good football, while Utah is clearly... Uh, playing much better right now than what Auburn was to begin the season. And yet, even with a loss, Washington's not ranked ahead of them. Now, they're probably looking at the non-conference schedule. And listen, I've been harping on Washington as well. I didn't think they had a lot of margin for error, guys. But, Matt, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time well, with this. How do, you, how do it, you reward a team that's lost a football game over a team that's undefeated? I, and, and, and we were just talking about the, before the show, and Bruce, you made the point. I just think at this at this. This day and age of college football, it's almost like it doesn't matter if you go undefeated. That's a beauty it, pageant. It, it is, and it's and I'm always under the impression it's very simple. Like you went out, you go undefeated, you deserve to be, you know, to, to go to the BCS championship. And not at the expense of. Uh, now we're talking about five undefeated. Yeah, we're now, talking about a team that has a loss. Has a loss. Yeah. They have a loss, and and look, I mean, they're good wins, right? Arkansas and Tennessee are both five and three for Texas. Arkansas not, is not a good win. Listen, they had I, I don't think five hundred so yards but, but, of rushing. But put these on them people, by these people in this committee, they literally sit there and they probably say, okay, Arkansas is five and three, Tennessee's five and three. Tennessee's okay, not those, a good win. They those have are better. Those are better wins than, than Washington beating Oregon and Stanford. They had a I'm hail mary you, against Georgia. I know, but I, <laughs> what's kind of ironic about this? This is what's crazy this, about it. What's, what's ironic to me about this is you can gong Washington's non-conference. Rutgers is terrible this sure. year. What's interesting is A&M played UCLA, which we all think would have been a good opponent. UCLA is three and five right now. Really, that's bad. not going to carry a ton and of weight. Th- and the thing about Washington too is is minus maybe maybe the the Arizona game where they struggled a little bit and they won in overtime. They have won convincingly. I mean, they've dominated almost every game. You know, Utah on the road, that was a tough game, but they have looked good. You know, the eye test, whatever you want to call it, it's not like they're just escaping like Florida State did a couple years ago, right? They were escaping guys, and they were, you know, Washington has won convincingly, and I think they've proven it on the field. Now, again, Colorado, Colorado went out. They have some Stanford could win out, by the way. They they lift Stanford up. Stanford, I think, will finish 9 3 in the regular season. So that, that dominant win on that Friday night should carry a lot more weight. That'll help them. Just, so just on <laughs> schedule makeup real quick, because I'm going to stay right here on Washington and, and on Texas a because like we've said before, you, you can absolutely say, hey, Washington, your non-conference strength of schedule is not very good. In fact, when you look at their non-conference strength of schedule, it's like the sixth easiest in the country. But when you dig a little deeper and you look at schedule makeup, it's the exact same schedule makeup that Texas A&M has because one conference plays nine conference games, and the other plays eight. So when you're looking at this, how many Power 5 opponents does Washington play versus Texas A&M in their season? Nine. How many cupcakes did they play? Oh, I'm sorry, 10 for Washington, nine for Texas A&M because Texas A&M has three games, Prairie View, they've got New Mexico State, and Texas San Antonio. 
I don't see the three cupcakes on this. I see Idaho and Portland State. Terrible. But Rutgers is in the Big Ten. And then you've got nine Pac-12 games. So that's where I don't, I don't quite get it. So you're like, oh, Washington didn't play anybody in the non-conference. Neither, Neither. does A&M. <laughs> uh, does anyone not understand? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Did I invent the piano key necktie? I don't understand this right now. Because Joel, the SEC's four... non-conference schedule is the biggest load of crap I have ever there's seen in my life. There's four SEC West teams in the top 13. It's just the way it is, bud. It's unreal. It's unbelievable. Yes, I did just quote Mugatu. Okay, uh, just I'm not def- not defending this Kirby Hokut point, but Kirby Hokut, the Texas Tech AD, he is the playoff committee chairman this year, and he said the difference here, as the committee saw it, maybe not him, but as the committee saw it, is that A&M has four wins over teams with winning records. Washington has two. Now, my argument with that... Let well, me, that's what I said. Me, they literally just so, look at the yeah, so, loss so, so let me finish See, my that point then now. is rewarding the eight-conference game schedule preaching, for SEC versus a nine-conference game schedule in the Pac-12. When all you're doing is looking at wins and losses, you're rewarding teams for beating FCS opponents. My, my thing here is, since we went to the playoff committee where all analytics and they have these different formulas and different metrics... The one, and we've argued about this on our podcast a lot last year, and we argued about it a lot when Jameis Winston was still at Florida State. I, I still subscribe to the notion that if you are a, a power five powerhouse program and you find a way to win games, mm-hmm. you should not be below teams that somehow lost. Because I think ultimately that's the best metric you can have is you, you found a way to win it as opposed to you know, we can say whether they played well for two and a half quarters against Alabama. They actually were fortunate to still only be down 13 to nothing at one point. But we're splitting hairs on that part of it as opposed to looking at the main number, which is, you know, some of this here, you know, you could have a two-loss team that could, that's not far from them. It's, it's pretty bizarre, in particular when you look at they have two different overtime games. One's to Tennessee that probably should be four and four not even five and three when you look at the way that they lost, or excuse me, won the Georgia game. That's not even taking into consideration the App State game, mm-hmm. which App State dominated right. them in Knoxville. Um, Tennessee, double overtime at home. UCLA, you, I mean, UCLA is not very good right now. They, they took them to, to overtime game, yeah. in College Station. So I, what I'm struggling with, where is the quality win? Outside of Auburn, who was going to fire Gus Malzahn because they weren't even playing anywhere near what they're playing right now. So you can give them credit for saying, well, they've got more wins over teams with winning records. Did they look at those teams and how those winning records were actually derived? You would hope they did. I don't think that they did. Apparently, we had a big old buffet at the Gaylord Mm -hmm. Texan, and we didn't look really deep into college football. I, let's I move, just, let's I can't, Joel. Let's I can't move past four or five. Yes. Which, which but I can't. Which like, you're leading me like let's get Joel, past four or five. Joel, which which team? I can't. Which, I can't. Which team took the uh, took the biggest blow? Louisville. Yes. Louisville for sure. Louisville for sure because being behind the eight ball of the rest of their schedule, right? So if they had. Is there any chance they could they could sneak in this? I don't just, think so. Because yeah. Houston's not so. even in this top twenty-five, and they're gonna if they beat Houston, Houston will be nowhere near Houston it. Houston probably when they play them in a couple weeks, Houston will be in the top. I mean, I it's don't not think gonna they matter. will. Eh, they might not. I think they will. I think Louisville's in a really two, bad spot, guys, because yeah. they don't have anything left on their schedule. They're not going to catch Clemson in their division, so they won't get the bump of potentially being a conference champion like Washington will. And I, listen. 
if I were Chris Peterson, I would be saying, hey, don't look at these. We control our own destiny, all of that stuff. Obviously, there's slimmer margin for error for Washington just based on the geographics of their school location. So thanks for that selection committee. You guys really suck this year. Um, but Louisville is behind the eight you know what's sure. You know what's interesting, and, and this is just the first round, and every week it's going to be different, but the two lost teams that are like, that are right on the outside, Wisconsin at eight, Auburn at nine, both of those teams still have Penn State's a two-loss team. The team that I think, but I'm has just saying, like, what if, what if, what if Auburn? I mean, this is what Jonathan if, but this is why Weiser we have these says conversations. Wisconsin should be above Louisville. What if, what if Wisconsin wins out, wins a Big Ten championship, and then you have they're going. A, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have a two. two you're going to have a two-loss team go over. Over now, would they go over an undefeated Washington team? I doubt it. But a one loss, you know, I mean, there's there's so many different scenarios. But I, I mean, think the fact that the two lost teams are right look there. Who, look what we're talking about. Okay, let's say hypothetically Alabama and Clemson went out, right? So they're, they sh- so they're both. Well, then in. Auburn. Well, then Auburn would have another loss. So they'd be yeah. Out. The Auburn would have another loss. I think then you'd be looking at okay. Let's say Washington wins out. Okay. Wisconsin is there at number eight right now. If they were to beat. Michigan and or you know or Ohio State in the Big Ten title game that's mm-hmm. going to be a big springboard game. Yep. They're definitely in my mind leapfrogging Louisville. Yes, uh, I would say for sure. That means Michigan and Ohio State. I think because they wouldn't be and the conference both of champ. Those teams, both yeah, Michigan so, and Ohio State. So right now you'd be looking at a, a uh, eleven and two Wisconsin that would have won its conference, which has now three teams in the initial beat, top eight and beat a top five. Team yeah. At, yeah, whereas A and M, which we've you know kind of beaten to death right now, but A and M's not going to get a huge springboard game coming up so i think well, Wisconsin. Well, they, they do yeah. get lsu which is their toughest remaining game well but lsu could that, have three losses when they play them. and if they Antonio. beat them lsu would have four losses lsu is playing better football there's no doubt about that how about your bus joel how about your bus good for them are in the rankings 15 just to put a cap on that wisconsin wisconsin's in a really good spot yeah i think in a really good spot um plus barry alvarez is on the committee and he could he could arm wrestle anybody in that room <laughs> That's, and, and that might go on behind closed true. doors. We don't know. That's true. You, you have no idea. All right, we're going to move on past the, the top ten here and get to some of these other teams. Um, Penn State was another big mm-hmm. jumper, guys. Penn State at number 12. They are 6-2. and two. They lost to Pitt. They lost to Michigan. And they got, they got that. Michigan. They got killed, killed they by Michigan. beat and Ohio State at They home. did beat Ohio State at home. Were you okay with where they where they jumped in this poll? Because they beat Ohio State, I am. And I think that it's pretty remarkable to see the change. And just going into that game, people were talking about, oh, James Franklin's on the hot seat. They didn't want him. They're staring at a chance, a real chance to go 10-2. and two. Now, I think because they've already beaten Ohio State and the rest of their schedule doesn't look very imposing, that's why I think they can go 10-2. Yeah. and two. Yeah. I don't think they're going to – I think they're a – a much more of a long shot than Wisconsin has of getting in the. Playoffs. I also think I think well, we haven't even talked about this team, but Florida, Florida at eleven, and their best win is maybe Georgia. Georgia stinks. It's not. It's that, that's their best win. Yeah. I would put. I would put. I would put. What are Penn you talking State. about? They beat UMass. Let me tell you, I would put <laughs> Penn State, LSU, and Oklahoma probably over Florida. Oh boy! Definitely Penn State and LSU. I would, yeah. I got. I, I got to be honest. I, I can I, no longer comment on an SEC team. They are so overrated in the middle of their conference, it's not even funny. Um, I think it's a, a bit on preseason rankings. This has no bearing, by the way, with how I feel about Alabama, who's the most deserving number one team that we've had of the playoff mm-hmm. era at this point in the Could season. Could you make a case, though, for Clemson to be number one? Um, 
Look what they, who they only, beat. Only in this sense is that Clemson has three wins over teams that are currently ranked right now. Michigan also has three wins over teams that are currently ranked All right at home, now. though. Um, I, I just, at this point, even though I can't stand bringing past years into this year's equation, Alabama has earned, when they've dominated the schedule that they've played to this point, they've earned that right of being the number one team. I see what you mean about Clemson. I mean, they got, I two, road, they got two road wins over top 25 teams. They beat I understand, they but they've Auburn also they played some crappy games, just some crap okay. games and won, like Florida State in 2014. Wouldn't you agree with me? I, you know, yeah, I'm, I don't like know. Like Bama hasn't thrown that, that. But their high. resume is very good. Two road wins good. over top 25 It's probably teams safe plus. to say, guys, the Big 12 is done. Big 12. I think is, we knew that, but, I mean, Oklahoma at 14. They would need they would need so it's, much I, I chaos just, to happen. Yeah, I don't I just, see it I don't because s- Wisconsin's a two-loss team that's still up there. They would need. Uh, I mean, Penn, they would need just Michigan to of... lose, and Ohio State. Like Nebraska would have to beat Ohio State, then somewhere Michigan lose, and Ohio State win, then Penn State go to the. You know what There's I mean? There's just I mean, too many things. There would be so yeah. much stuff just in the Big Ten that would need to happen for. They need Purdue Oklahoma. to start knocking off some big teams. That's <laughs> they, what they, they need. Do need. They the do fighting need boilermakers. Um, I was looking at at some of these just. For an FYI, there's only been a few wins this year in all of college football that have taken place on the home field of a currently ranked team. Ohio State has two of those wins at Wisconsin and at Oklahoma. Clemson has two of those wins at Auburn and at Florida State. Um, right now, Texas A&M has one of those wins at Auburn. Washington has one of those mm-hmm. wins at Utah. Virginia Tech has one of those wins at North Carolina. North Carolina then also beat Florida State. And then, by the way, shout out to the Chippewas, Central Michigan, and Eastern uh, Washington also have a couple of those wins at Oakley State and at Washington State earlier in the season. Um, as we move back past Oklahoma and the Big 12, this is where I did want to sit for just a quick second because Colorado is ranked number 21 in the AP poll and they're ranked number 15 by the committee. Um, if you use the data, which we know the, cl- the committee is just completely handcuffed to the data, it was going to suggest that Colorado was going to jump up in the rankings versus where they were at in the AP. The data about strength of record, and in particular game control, which they've had a remarkable game control number outside of their two losses, their one loss on the road at Michigan. But Colorado at number 15, guys, and at this point, they're going to be favored to win the rest of their games and then potentially line up with Washington in the Pac-12 championship, which at that point, think of, this, think of it this way. Colorado could be playing for a Rose Bowl berth, regardless of if they win that game or not. You still owe me, by the way, against USC because we did We did bet. Guys, we yeah. did bet. I got, I got your money over there. Don't worry about it. Colorado's in a great spot, man. That's unbelievable. They're in a good spot. I wouldn't say they're in a great I mean, spot. I mean, not to make the playoff, but I'm spot. just saying they're in a great spot. For the get, Rose Bowl, I'm saying for, yeah. to try to get into the four, they would need Oh, to no, no, they're not going to no, the four. I but I'm, just, I'm talking about, as, and you know this better than anybody, just from, from where they've come from in the last couple of years to be a legit conference championship type team. Would they sell that place out? Oh, 100%. Thursday is going to be sold out. By the way, on FS1, Thursday night, UCLA traveling to Colorado. It's going to be uh, quite an environment there, no doubt. I mean, I... Trust me, I got people hitting me up constantly for, for, for tickets and for also. I mean, that's going to be as good of an envir- environment they've had decade, maybe longer. I was, was at Fiesta as a Bowl fan, the last big game they played in. Big Bowl. Big Bowl. Yeah. Yes, um, that was like we played years in ago. an Alamo Bowl. We played in. I can't remember Citrus Bowl, maybe. 
Or this would be the closest thing. To I was here. knocked out before that. I don't remember which bowl it was. It was in Orlando. That would be, would the, that be probably the Citrus, the citrus, bowl. citrus bowl, yeah. yeah. I don't really remember. We went to Disney World. I went on Space Mountain and all got dizzy again and threw up. Um, so Colorado at number 15. And as you go from there, the, the one thing that no one really, I think, expected, because the AP is such a departure, Colorado ahead of Utah in the committee's minds, both with two losses sitting there at 6-2, uh, Utah 7-2. and two. So an interesting matchup at the end of the season mm -hmm. as that will likely determine the Pac-12 South and the winner of that would then go and play likely Washington. At this point, though, Washington State still controls their own destiny in the uh, Pac-12 North. Tripp says Penn State is ludicrous. Committee is saying they are better than Oklahoma and LSU. That's laughable. I tend to agree with you. I mean, if we're going to sit here and take these he's, rankings he's and actually say this team plays this team this weekend, who's going to win? And I said LSU plays Penn State this weekend. Who do you got? I would take LSU, but I would take LSU over Nebraska, too. Who's Nebraska well. beaten? I would, Nobody. I would take Oklahoma over Florida. I mean, I would take a lot of these teams. I think Nebraska has no wins over teams currently ranked right now. Their best win is probably... Is it Oregon? <laughs> yeah. They're getting credit for taking Wisconsin to overtime. To overtime? That's, Why? I just, I, I, I got to be honest. The they're getting credit for a loss. Why are we There's giving so much credit of, yeah. in college football to losses? Can we have that discussion really quickly? I mean, Florida I, State's got three losses and they're in the top 25. And they haven't and they, beaten anybody. They haven't beaten anybody. But it's because those losses were to really good teams. You know, by the way, you, you know, we've kind of overlooked this a little bit. We were talking about the SEC bias. There's five Big Ten teams in the top 12. You can have a question wow. mark with, two, with the 10 and 12. I don't know why Nebraska is that high up there. They haven't beaten anybody. Not based on their resume. I get, yeah. At least Ohio State is a good, you know, like Penn State beat Ohio State. Ah, I don't know why Nebraska is that high up here. Yeah, that's pretty shocking. It's five really teams. strange. I mean, it's really strange. I guess it's... it's the data is going to be used in other direction. Like with Nebraska, they'll come out and say, like, well, they're 7-1, and one, and their only loss was to Wisconsin. And yet that same argument about wins and losses is not going to play it's for Washington. It's all subjective. It's, it's all very, subjective. very much subjective. You know what the best part about this? we got a bunch more weeks to talk about it. And they'll change, and and they'll change, change some of the rules. Not some of the rules, but the parameters of why they've done what they've done. It varies from week to week. It's not like it's set in stone and then they're going to slot it around. They shake it up every week. Um, Last, last thing on the, on the playoff committee. Do you think they have any semblance of trying to draw ratings on a Tuesday night? Matt? Like, is, is there any that, part of this that is like, show, if we Joel. give them that's, too that's reasonable of a show. list, will anyone watch on a Tuesday? They, that's why they have the show. It's for ratings. I, well, listen, know. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's our business. That's, that's why I'm saying... You're not just going to do a show to do a show. Like, you think they purposely put a curveball in for to to drive dialogue? It wouldn't shock I don't, me. I don't. You, I'm I'm posing the question. I'd like to think that wouldn't be the case. Then why do they use ESPN data? Like what I mean, like it, like yeah. equations that are derived but they by would say the like four the letter. Why do they use those? If if they wanted to be completely free from any of this skepticism that I'm throwing their way, then they wouldn't use data that was derived in the think tank that is in Bristol, Connecticut. That's just control, the bottom line. Like they would, they talked about a lot in the previous years. They said that wasn't actually something that they were going to factor in. So, but then they did. 
It's also subjective. That's mm -hmm. my point. Is like one person in the room can like if Matt likes this criteria, he can adopt it himself. You know, it's like nothing seems to happen in a vacuum. Would you be opposed to having rather than one committee behind you know big expensive doors, um, having three committees and it's forming three polls and then the average of those coming but that's out? That's kind so of what they had a version of that with the BCS. There was no committee. There was a formula right. and everything. I would have right, hoped but it they was would less, have... It was left to just, like, voters. Right. If they wanted to have great TV ratings, and they'll never do this, they should have full transparency. No, mm -hmm. they won't do it. And put that on they TV. No, because they, they can't have full transparency with someone trying to argue that Texas A&M is the fourth best team in the country. But like, based on what logic, they're going to talk about Tennessee, and then that goes out the window when you start talking about Tennessee's you know, very flimsy five and three schedule. Because again, the middle of the SEC, while all being ranked, is very average. Not arguing with you. Is, on that. is very no. average. I think that I can't wait for a lot of these games to be played. I wish that I wish that the SEC would travel outside of their footprint more and play football games against other conferences. I just I wish that that would happen, uh, but they don't do it. So. Good on them because they don't have to, so they can play their eight conference game schedule. They can play, you know, FCS teams in November, and then they get bumps in the polls because they're playing and beating teams with above 500 records, and they gain those above 500 records by beating Prairie View A&M and Chattanooga, and it's pretty, pretty awful for college football. It's bad for our sport. Why am I so heated right now? This is bad for our sport. Stephen Wayne Young says, SEC bias and full throttle yet again six years running. Uh, I think it's been even longer than that. <laughs> let's, say it might be longer than let's, that. Let's move on. Um, the Heisman has been a big point of discussion here at Fox. So as we turn towards the Heisman, um, this really it's pisses been, you off, it's it? been a big point of discussion. Now I'm going to be the one that's going to sit back as Matt I, gets all lathered up. I'm <laughs> because this is Bruce Feldman's top five Heisman contenders. Number five, Leonard Did you really Fournette. Get that, what is that image from like? Is it from Google? That was you running, and was that not? Okay, no? Go on, go on. I think it's a great image. Well done, Jason. I think it's a screen grab, Jason. Number four, John, thank you. Deontay Foreman. Number three, Jonathan Allen. A defensive tackle not named in Dominican Sioux. You don't think Jonathan Allen's a great football player? I think he's a great football player. We're talking about the Heisman. Okay. But that's fine. I mean, where, there's a where's lot, his, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great production? football players. Do you want to know why he's in there? Because on, he hurdled the guy and he sacked the guy and he had made a big play. That, that's why he's in there. <laughs> he's no, a dominant number two. He's the best player. You never had him in your you didn't have him in your top five up until he made that one play. That's the point. I'm trying to like like the rest of the playoff committee. This is not my final ballot. I'm going to honor guys who I think are deserving. My top spot is what it is. If it was my final three, I might not have him in there. Bruce, okay. I have an argument for Matt. Let's hear it. Go ahead. Oh, you, I'm sorry. Come on. You, I have an argument for Matt. What do, we, what do you want? Oh, yeah. Just slam that thing on the table. <laughs> I mean, I did, I, did play, I did play some football my day. So does this mean that nobody else has an opinion? You can have an opinion, but when it's an ignorant opinion, I'm not going to honor ignorant it. Ignorant opinion? You put Jonathan Allen in your top five because he jumped over a guy. No, and I didn't he made put it. That's what you said. 
And wh why is if Leonard the, Fournette if in your I top put five? The, okay, hold he's on. played two, one game. Hold on. I want to hear. No, I want to hear. First of all, let me start with Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen. Go to Jonathan, Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen is the best player on the best team in college football. Do you think? The highest rated draft prospect or the best player? The best player. If you talk to coaches who face him, they would say he is the most dominant player not, they play. I'm, I mean... I'm not debating that. I think you are he's crapping on Jonathan Allen. But he, but but I like think he's crapping really on Jonathan. Yeah, he Allen. might. What's the what's the award for best interior lineman? Yeah, he's gonna win that. Oh, Sorry, there's a little smudge. Actually, I already polished it earlier because oh, I nice. saw Bruce is coming. Polished it up. Why is Leonard Fournette number five? Okay, let me explain to Leonard Fournette. Because okay, he ran for you 280 on all. No, is but, that a rhetorical question? Yes, can I yes. Please? No, let I'm me. not done talking. This <laughs> is my time to shine. This is my time. You already have this. He this ran. Is he let ran for shine. 280 on a high school defense against a, an Ole Miss. I'm sorry, Ole Miss is awful. No, no, no. They're in the SEC. But they're in the SEC. They are so good. I, I, I think Leonard. I think Leonard Fournette is is outstanding. But we're gonna base again. He's back in the mix. And I listened to the Audible today with you and Stuart. The Randall. Audible, good and, plug. Bruce and Stu's podcast. And I'm giving you, see, I'm, I'm giving you plugs by now. But you're crapping it. on it right now. <laughs> I'm not crapping on the Audible because I think you guys are the best. But, but when it comes to the Heisman, I'm just, I, I don't understand. Uh, that's why I'm explaining it, it to you. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Matt, Explain here, okay. I need to hear. My, my biggest beef, I'm going to keep talking. My biggest beef is the okay. fact that Deshaun Watson is not in the top five. Okay, I don't so think he's going to win, Bruce, but go ahead, Bruce. Before Matt talks again, you're going to defend Fournette, Foreman, and Allen over Watson. I actually thought the Foreman thing was going to be your biggest beef. Over Watson? Well, I, I, I looked at Foreman. He's on a four and four. I, I just, that Foreman one I laughed at because he's not going to even get invited. So, it's, you know what? He's leading the Big 12. As I said to you, I was giving this, I felt like it was deserving of some positive attention. He is the one thing that has been a, a consistent factor for them in a season he's, of watch. He's number he's two. He's great. The, he's he's awesome. number two in the country in rushing. I think as Charlie Strong would have already been probably fired if he wasn't doing what he's doing. Or, or Bouchelle, too. I mean, but I mean, this, look, this guy's get, averaging get back, over 200 rushing get yards back. against ranked opponents. I think okay, but you have him over Jabril Peppers, these guys, Donnell Pumphrey, Deshaun Watson. I've had Peppers on before. I think at this point, I was just like I said, I'm trying to honor guys who I've had there at that point. It's not the final ballot. Um, which one? All right, Donnell Pumphrey. You know how many, you probably know this because you heard the other one. You know how many teams with winning records they've played this year? Zero. I don't think he sucks. I think he's a terrific player, but that's the reason why I didn't have him on there, why I put Deontay Foreman on Did you know him. Jonathan Allen plays defense in the SEC? What, defend Leonard Fournette. Okay. Uh, because I know, I, I, I listen to what you said. I'm going to, again, I'm going to talk before you, just because Matt, I like throwing you, the question. Do I, you know where he plays? He plays in the SEC. And do you know how many yards he carry? He's averaging in the SEC nine. Against I, who? I, against who? That's the thing. Who does he play? He also, by the way, everyone says like, "Oh, look what they're who doing." Who did he play? The Who's he Who's played the, the SEC, SEC outside of Alabama? He has, he's going to play them this weekend. If he had, all right, then this is the this is the point where I would love to get to. But <laughs> We're not guys, allowing you. You're not because you guys <laughs> sorry, are just chattering Bruce. away. I'm, not, chattering. I'm sorry, Bruce. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, so he plays against Alabama this weekend. I think we would agree, all of us, that Lamar Jackson is the clear number one in the Heisman at this point. The one guy who I think could potentially overtake him is Leonard Fournette. Because you can say he missed three games. He missed three games against three mediocre opponents. I mean, that's the whole SEC outside of Alabama. But he also, in their non-conference, they played against Wisconsin as a top-10 defense. He went well over 100 yards, almost 200 yards of offense. Without a quarterback. I'm with, listen, I'm, I don't mind about Yeah, Fournette, that's why he's number five. I don't mind your list as much as the omission of Peppers. That's yeah, the I had Peppers right. on there before. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. 
I'm not as all wound up as, as Matt, but you guys weren't as wound up as me about A&M. So I get it, Matt. I was all I, wound up. Andy and says Peppers deserves the only, it. The only thing that... Ryan that says, what did Fournette you guys, do against the Badgers? If he had a career day against them, then I could understand him in the Heisman run. Does it have to be a career day all the time? Here's my... Ryan, let me get Finn Bruce on this one. Because, game, yeah, it, like, if he goes out there and does what he did last year against Alabama, this year against Alabama, then he's going to be he's, out. Yeah, no he, what, what, So d- what do you think about Dalvin Cook? I think he's a great player. I mean, look, there's only how, five spots. I, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't understand how you have Deontay Foreman over I Dalvin Cook. I feel like Cook. this is more about getting some guys some love. And I'm all about that. that. I think it's all, I'm all about that, but I'm just talking You're like. You're a spotlight hog. That's why. Well, that's, listen, the committee is. Castle doesn't like you anymore. <laughs> the, the committee is doing that with teams. It's like, well, this is not the real one. Let's get A and M some. I just know every week when when I when I go on Fox Sports or I I, and I see Stuart Mandel or Bruce Feldman's top five Heisman guys, I always get a chuckle because I know it's going to be some random dude that gets in there. (laughs) You just don't like the little guy. No, I are you kidding me? Don't like the little guy. If if you were to say, but I'm just the best defensive player in the country. No, 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 no. Timeout. Most productive defensive player in the country. Most productive defensive player? Right. I might say Derek Barnett. Which I mean, you had in your Heisman. I did. I mean, he dominates games. Without them, they'd probably be two and six now. You just went full establishment on us. And once again, where's on Derek our, Barnett? On our nice, fun internet show. We're supposed to be all organic and gritty. And who Bruce would you, just who, went establishment who would you on say, us. He's going full SEC Who would you say is us. the best defensive player? Are you Clay Travis for real? <laughs> That one is a low blow. That one was a low blow. I apologize. That was that was a low blow. Bruce, is this bothering you? By the way, do you want me to move this? No. Okay. I just leave it up. Totally I think fine. I actually voted for you, and man, do I regret that. <laughs> it um, might it might actually be the only thing on the air right now, whether it's television or everybody's the watching the World that, Series on Fox right now. Um, good old Heisman Trophy. Oh, so answer me that. Who who do you think is the best player, defense player in the country? Preppers. Hands down. Mm. See, and, and this is derived from, as a quarterback, this is all I'm going to say. I'm not saying the whole, like, playing versus not playing. I'm just saying, as a quarterback, you cannot game plan a safety out of the game. You can game plan defensive tackles out of the game. You can game plan defensive ends out of the game. You can do all sorts of things. But if that's that just, the case, would you have not voted? I mean, maybe not you're, you're not voting for him for the Heisman. I'm saying, if that's the case, you'd vote... Honey Badger would have been your top guy. I, I had him rated much higher than most Heisman voters <laughs> did, just just in, in defense. But so so Peppers to me, he's a game influencer, even more so than Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen's just a great defensive tackle. You have to be historically great, like an Indomitian Sue, who really was as far as his production tackles mm-hmm. for loss, production and sacks. Look, I don't and think he can game I impact. I don't think Jonathan Allen. It's a long shot that I think he even gets to New York just because unlike luck. unlike Sue. You know, he's got Tim Williams. He's got these other guys who are going to pile up the tackles for losses. So he's not going to put up the numbers that's that way. Understandable. I'm just trying to give people love. He is really good. I'm all about, but you're you're not getting my boy Deshaun Watson love. You've got a big Deshaun Watson thing. I want to get, get... I, I mean, he's thrown ten picks. Yeah, can I ask you this? Let but, me but ask that, you. But that, but but no, I listened to you guys, and you and you read. Okay, yeah, I know his numbers are down, and granted, the year he had last year, he should he could have won the Heisman last year, and. It's very hard to, to have the same type of season no matter who you are when you come back. And I just, I value as a voter and as just a fan, as an analyst and, and all these things. When I look, watch these games, it's, it's, 
it's critical moments, it's game situations, it's who do you want to have the ball or who do you want to hand off to when you know they're going to win the game in a crunch time. And right now for me, despite a couple bad interceptions, I understand that, Deshaun Watson has also come back and beat Auburn. He outdueled Lamar Jackson. You know, they both, you know, Lamar Jackson was, was great in that game, but Deshaun Watson won the game and made the plays at the end. We just saw that again against Florida State. The, the, he throws a bad pick, DeAndre Francois, Dalvin Cook score, and he goes back, cool, calm, and collective, and he throws a touchdown pass to win. I'm just telling you, those are, the, those are what I like. Granted, he still has really good numbers. Let me ask you this. Do you think we, in the media especially, because I think this has changed. Stu and I talked about this a little bit, and I don't know if the guy, the Heisman winner who has thrown the most picks, who won the Heisman. Do you guys know who that yeah, is? Yeah, I heard it was Jameis Winston. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't Winston. It oh, was, it was uh, back somebody, in the, it was somebody, a long time ago. Somebody you talked about earlier but, today. Jason White? Oh, Gino Toretta. No, no, student said that. No, it's oh, actually Jason, no. Ty Detmer threw oh, Ty. 28 picks. 41 touchdowns, 28 picks. I don't know, and I'm, I'm throwing this out to you guys. I don't know in this day and age, because I remember I was at Miami when Ty Detmer beat Miami, and he was awesome. I don't know in this day and age if a guy would win the Heisman if he threw that many interceptions, almost 30. Do you think, this is my question, do you think, and I think I already know your answer, that we in the media overvalue interceptions? I think that we overvalue underdogs. Because favorites get blasted into the, like Andrew yeah. Luck should have won a Heisman. Peyton Manning should have won a Heisman. Okay, I see where you're You know, like so. when you're a front runner to start, You've got to be. You got to prove it. Yeah, you're, you're totally bars because yeah. you throw a couple of picks here or there, and people are like, ah, I, and he's I, terrible, you know. And and you're not afforded any type of. And then and then you're you know, but struggle. then you're and then you're talking about the picks. Like, I mean, I would like to go back and see all of. His, he's got ten, right? He's got ten. Maybe, now, I, I, I mean, how talk. many are tipped? I mean, how many? You know, do we don't know the receiver? Around? There, there's so many things. The, That's uh, why if you're going to get really, te- the, he threw a bad pick against Florida State. That was bad. The pick six couple weeks ago, I think. was. I mean, he's thrown a couple bad ones. The, uh, I threw, I, the year I won, I, I threw a couple bad ones. I mean, it happens. We, I mean, I, I talked to uh, the guys at Pro Football Focus, which is that analytics group, and they do college stuff, and you can say however much stock you want to put into it. And I said, hey, am I off base on this? What, what is the deal on Deshaun Watson? And in their numbers, and it includes drop balls, mm-hmm. they said Deshaun Watson went from being the eighth most accurate quarterback in the rankings to 40th this year. And that includes drop passes and everything else. Now, look, I still think, I mean, they're the team I picked to win the championship, and he's the guy I picked to win the Heisman. Mm -hmm. I still think they're going to win the championship. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. But the year year I won when I came back from 04 to 05, my numbers were significantly down. My yards were down. My touchdowns were down. uh, In 05? In 05. I I think the, the... I was 28 and six when I won the Heisman. 28 and six, then 33 uh, through five. <laughs> don't remember all these numbers, but I finished the year 33 and six after the Oklahoma game. That so was, the numbers were, were but actually before, better. But, but when I won the Heisman, I was 28 and six because the the right. bowl game was after. My senior year, I was 28 and eight, and I got. I mean, That's I got invited, but I was like, thing. I was. I was my yards were way down. I, I'm just saying that there's there was just it's just hard. It's hard to yeah, I, I know. Have I, the I, type. I get it. I think, but your numbers were almost the same. They were almost the same. Like where his he threw. I think, but I also didn't have three come from behind. I had one. You know, I mean, I just I, I value that in the moment. You okay. know, I, and and I th- and I still think his numbers are really good. I'm not I'm not going on. Okay, well, last year he completed seventy percent, so now he's at sixty two. Well, man, I don't know if he's a top five. You know what I mean? I just. <clears throat> um, 
Let's get to some news. At the end of the day, Deshaun Watson will be in New York. I, if they win, I guarantee he'll be in New York. First, um, you're gonna but, have it. You're gonna fly gonna, him up yourself. So we're gonna you're end on I'm gonna take news. him out to dinner and some violations. So we're gonna end on news. So real quick, who do you like in Bama LSU, and who do you like in Nebraska Ohio State this weekend? Uh, real quick, I like Bama because I wouldn't pick any against anybody over them at this point in the regular season. And I would think Ohio State. I, I don't have a yeah. ton of confidence in Nebraska. Same. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same as well. And I think LSU is decent. I really do. I don't think anybody, and this is my fear for Michigan in the playoff if they end up do facing Alabama at some point, you do not line up in a traditional offense and beat Alabama. The last time they were beat by a traditional pro-style offense was 2011 when LSU did it. 9-6 to six in a game where Alabama missed a couple of field goals, and then a month and a half later, that same Alabama team took that same LSU team behind the woodshed, shut them out 21 to nothing in the national championship game. You just don't generally beat them unless you have a dynamic quarterback. LSU does not, so that's why I think uh, Danny Etling and, and the boys on the bayou are going to go I think down. if LSU defensively is playing a lot better, they're yeah. play, they're, they still have, like, they have Alabama-type players on their defense. If they can keep it close... And this could, be, we ever, this could be the game where Jalen Hurts has to throw the football to win. I don't think LSU is going to score a lot of points. But if it's close and Jalen Hurts has to throw the ball to win, I think that's something, that's something to keep an eye on. I just don't know if they have enough. I don't think Nebraska has nearly enough to beat Ohio State. So, but no. Ohio State, guys, has not been playing very good football over the last uh, couple of weeks. A loss. Their offensive line's not very good. They're not getting the push up front. They don't throw the ball down the field. So you never know. But uh, I certainly don't see it for Nebraska and it should be their second straight loss. Now to the news that I think is even bigger than those matchups this weekend. First and foremost, at Tennessee, Jalen Hurd is leaving and transferring after being their leading rusher not only in this season, but I believe the past two seasons. Um, and we've also got information that Josh Rosen is going to be done for the year, and he's going to go ahead and, uh, as UCLA is struggling, hang it up after finding out that he's got nerve damage in that right shoulder from the hit that he took against Arizona State. So, Jalen Hurd, Josh Rosen, some big news, some players that a lot of people had on their Heisman list in the preseason, mm -hmm. including um, myself, both of these guys, and now they're going to be done for the season and Hurd transferring away from Tennessee. Let's start with Jalen Hurd and Tennessee. Bruce, first of all, have you heard anything? What's going on there? And then... Your thoughts? Yeah, I think his dad actually lives out here in Southern California. I don't know where he would go next. Uh, the part that he wants to transfer and then go try to play tight end or wide receiver yeah. is kind of curious to me. I almost think if he, you know if he wanted to just move on to the NFL and leave early rather than sit out a year. Mm. I don't know if he transferred down because I heard he's not close to graduating to be a graduate transfer. If he transferred down to some FCS program, I'm not sure how much he would be able to prove to NFL scouts as a tight end yeah. there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think much at all. Um, what, what did you think when you first saw this? Um, as, a, as a teammate, you know, I, it just, I think there's more going on there because I think this is the second guy to leave, right? That, wasn't there a receiver? Uh, uh, yeah, there I was earlier, think, yeah. There was, was not the same level year, player. Right? There was somebody not the same, who said, yeah. Uh, as a player, it kind of upsets me. You know, you're bailing on your team midpoint of the season because you're unhappy. Maybe it's because they're losing and he's unhappy. with. I don't know what was promised him. I know all the reports saying he was promised this role and this role, and Butch Jones hasn't given him that opportunity. Um, so I think I kind of wonder, um, you know, I've been in a situation where a coach told me one thing but did another, and I know how it upset him, but I also didn't quit the team, you know. So um, that part upset me a little bit, but I feel like there's – there's something going on within that program. 
So there's, there's two very different paths that I wanted to take because I had the same reaction, Matt, that you did. You know, hey, it's the middle of the season. You got guys relying on you. You're yeah. a teammate. You don't do that. You don't quit on your team. I feel like it's selfish, all those. And I got right into that raw, raw coaches, you know, team-oriented type of thing. And then I kind of looked at it from a 30,000-foot view and thought to myself, you know, why, why can – Steve Spurrier leave the game right in the middle of the year, and coaches leave after the season after they've recruited you, and and um, LSU can fire less miles, and, and guys can get fired right in the middle of the year, and it's always just a business decision. But when a player does it, they're immediately held to this more global standard of selfishness and team-oriented play. So I want to get to a point where I'm saying to a college athlete, you've got to take care of yourself because in the pro ranks, that's exactly what we would say. You got to take guy demands a trade. Hey, listen, I got to take care of my family. I got to get to a better situation and spot. And I understand that. So I've got very competing feelings because I feel both of those very equally right now. I feel like, man, that's kind of a selfish move. And also we, we we're in this altruistic type of amateur model where we want to think that all these kids should just, you know, shut up and take it, essentially. But don't, but don't you think that if, if because he does this, and, and you know how big character issues, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying he has bad oh, character. I think it hurts him with the NFL. But that's what I'm saying. If his whole yeah, point no is doubt. he wants to be in the NFL, he's a talented it. player. Where he plays, we don't know. But the fact that you do this is only going to raise more red yeah, flags. About you. And, and that's, that's, that's the problem why. I guess my point is, isn't there a double standard now yeah, for players and is. coaches? There is. Like, the adults that. in the yeah. room and the kids. I mean, yeah. you mentioned the Steve Spurrier thing. I mean, just to kind of go off on that for a second. I mean, coaches preach, you know, about finish. And you'll hear that all the time. And he left when they started to stink. He left in the middle of the and year. And he knew that there wasn't much in the cupboard. He also got a pass a lot from a lot of folks in the media because a lot of people really like Steve Spurrier because he's a great quote, which is different. Like if Mark Helfrich did that or somebody else, they would have gotten banged a lot harder. And so there is definitely a double standard. I just want to get away from that double standard. But I, f I feel you. Like if I'm his teammate, I'm like You're whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, know, and this like, is a guy, on, guy. This is and, and to be, they still have a chance to win the division and compete for an, uh, compete for an SEC championship. You mean one of the worst divisions in football? The I worst agree. division in college football, chance. and they still have a great chance. So, <sighs> Scott Lewis says, know. where does Herd land? Do you, have you heard of any landing? I've, spots? I've heard of people throwing out places as well as dads in Southern California. Maybe he goes to a Pac-12 school. I, I don't know what's going to be just because. Again, my gut was he would probably try to go into the NFL draft. I mean, just the idea that he would sit out a year, I mean, that takes a lot of patience to sit out a full yep. year and then go through it and say, all right, I'm going to be actually a fifth-year guy. Nobody thought he was going to stay for five years in college. No, I don't. I, he's a good player. Yeah. Look, I thought he was a really good player. So now Rosen, they're going to shut him down, guys, for the rest of the year. I think that this is very smart. Yep. When you start talking about nerve issues, and it's not just like, hey, you broke your clavicle or – hey, you know, you've got an AC joint separation, and it'll just heal with time, so do you want to have surgery like Sam Bradford did in his year at Oklahoma, or do you want to try to come back and play? This is a very different mm -hmm. thing, and they've got to get it right. You can't run out there unless you're 100% certain that that nerve issue is fully healed and you're ready to go because his future is still too bright, yep. even though they've struggled with him at quarterback as opposed to what they were with Brett Hundley. He's still got an immensely bright future uh, in the NFL, I, I still feel like. Yeah, and they, so as we reported earlier today on Fox, uh, later in the week he's going to get further evaluation, so they'll know whether there's surgery involved or something along those lines. But 
you know, the idea of erring on the side of caution, I think, especially when, I hate to say it like this, but they're three and five. Yeah, at this if point, they were seven no... and one, I think we might be in a different situation. But like you said, Joel, nerves. I mean, I've had, we've probably both, you've had an AC joint. Yep. I'm sure I've had an AC. I broke my collarbone twice. But yep. anytime there's nerves, that's possible career ending to your, to right. your throwing shoulder. Right. So to me, this, this is a big story, but the fact that they're, three and four, three and five, whatever they are, and there's, I mean, they don't appear to be getting any better. Put them on the shelf, rest them, do what you got to do because he'll be back next year. He's also been sacked, by the way, uh, last year, and we talked about this a lot when I first got to Fox about Hunley was sacked all the time. All the time. Last year, he was only sacked 15 times a whole year. He's already been sacked 13 times in a half a season. Yeah. So that adjustment to the pro-style offense they really struggled with it, and he took a beating. He did, and he held the ball a little bit longer than I think they were anticipating him in hey, this offense. Yeah, one other point. I did a, uh, I did some Arizona games, and Marcel Yates, who's the defensive coordinator there, had told me after they played UCLA, he goes, I got so much more respect for that guy. We blitzed him 46 times. We really didn't, we didn't sack him any, but we really came after him. He stood in there and hung in there and hung in there, and... You know, eventually, he, I think he won some people's respect in the way because he's a lot tougher than I think people gave him credit I think he's for. a lot tougher. I think that same thing happened against Arizona State in the game he was banged up in because it wasn't just the shoulder. Remember, earlier in the game, he left with kind of a growing issue, limped off, came back, went back in the game, and that's when he uh, got his shoulder banged up on that, that play. Um, we'll do it again next week. I don't know if it'll be as heated next week. I'm sure I'm going to try to never calm know. Down I mean, a little bit. Matt's going to try to calm down a little these, bit. Sorry, Bruce, you got caught in the buzz. I got blindsided. There. He brought this in the carpool lane, and then, you know. That works in the carpool lane. Did you know that? I wouldn't know that. Nobody else would know that. It's, it's just this uh, is a person. I take him everywhere. Person. I take him everywhere with me. <laughs> only, when our, when, only when our producer, Jason Kleiman, wants me to bring it. That's when he comes. Oh, Thanks, man. Jay. Did you ever bring it to a bar? No. <laughs> yeah. He, Bruce, he didn't Bruce. need that. <laughs> He didn't need that. Come on. Hey, uh, big thanks to Dr. Pepper for sponsoring the show. Uh, be with us next week as we're going to react to the college football playoff rankings once again, 7.30 Eastern time, right here live on Facebook. Uh, and remember to subscribe to the podcast and to share our show when you're watching it. We appreciate you watching, and uh, we'll be back next week.